Hi, I'm uh, Amarna Strabasman. I'm the CEO of MineHub Technologies, which is originally a Vancouver-based company, but with operations in Europe and Asia, particularly in uh, customer-facing uh, key countries like uh, Singapore, China, and Japan. We are built an enterprise-grade blockchain platform with a series of applications that enables companies that are to bring much more efficiency, transparency, and resilience to their supply chain operations. Right. That is perfect. Oh, no. um, like, um, we, we caught up in December. We kind of kind of got the full kind of picture of what, what the business uh, was then, very much in sort of test phase and in, in terms of customers testing the testing the product. But I think it's probably, and I'll put a link below so people can go back and watch that. I think it was a useful yeah. session um, to understand you and, and, and the company. But talk, tell me this. What, what, what's the kind of thesis on which this company, your business model is built? What is the problem you're trying to solve? At its core, we bring um, we transform the way companies execute their supply chain transactions, and the benefits of that spill out into multiple places. But the I think the the most urgent one that we see play out every day in the markets is around um, uh, inflation, right? Supply caused by supply chain disruptions, and uh, they take many forms. They have many causes. Um, but to give you an example, uh, recently we had. Uh, a lockdown in Shanghai because of COVID. Uh, and then we saw lots of container liners and bulk carriers sitting outside Shanghai port, not being able to discharge. Now that caused massive shortages around the world because all the carrying capacity was locked up there. And why were they locked up? Not because there was no capacity to unload or discharge the cargo. It's purely because there were, because the lockdown couriers were not able to deliver physical paper documents to the banks and to the customers to get paid and release the cargo. That's it. Wow. So 17th century technology causing massive disruption in the 21st century. Okay, so basically all, all of these mines who are shipping product to China, the boats are sitting offshore, not physically able to get anyone onshore to hand paperwork to a bank. That, do, that is very 17th century. Um, Brilliant. So, so you're saying, right, we are going to digitize that component on a blockchain te technology and platform. That, that, that's what you do. That's, that's one part of what we do. We don't do that just by ourselves, but with, with partners. Um, but we, we do a couple of other things. So if you, if you look at supply chain operations, how they work, you got like 20, 30 companies that need to collaborate on a transaction. I'm a seller. I'm selling something to a buyer. Uh, I've got inspectors, uh, we've got um, carriers, agents, etc. They all need to collaborate and everybody is continuously looking for information. They're collecting information, they are uh, coordinating on information, they are verifying information. And everywhere else in the world, you do that on SAP, some shared database, or even set up a WhatsApp group, maybe with some Dropbox folder where you share documents. It doesn't exist in this world. Uh, people spend, in, there's an enormous amount of friction in uh, collecting, ver verifying information. And we collapse that by creating the central repository, the central place where parties collaborate. Now that unlocks data, creates a lot of transparency, security, et cetera, in, in these, in these uh, supply chains. But surely there's got to be a, a lot of optionality out there for people. There's one that got to be a lot of competition for you, and, and, and maybe some groups do understand how to send an email, et cetera. So why does it need a kind of complex blockchain solution for what seems like a really quite simple problem you're trying to solve? Yeah, and it's it's not because people haven't tried. It's just, it's, it's around data governance. So let's say I'm 
I'm a big trader, um, a very competitive in the market. Am I going to run my data on somebody else's platform? Probably not. I want to take, keep control of it. And what we've seen in platforms being extremely powerful in enabling industry and business transformation, we see that there's no party that really is comfortable put, trusting their data with a, uh, with, a, uh, with a competitor or a third party. If, I mean, if you're running a big part of the world, the global iron ore on your platform, uh, to all the contracts, locations, specifications, stuff like that, you don't want to have a couple of spotty teenagers in a garage running the database, right? They might be tempted to, uh, to sell it. So you want to keep control of the data. So blockchain is fundamental. Um, the other thing what we, uh, what we learned as well is the only architecture that enables companies to be both compliant with data residence regulations like you have in China, cybersecurity regulation, and privacy expectations outside of China. So effectively, you need the same piece of information needs to be physically stored in two locations. And uh, that problem is solved by the technology that, we've, uh, that, we've, uh, that we're using. Right. Okay. So, if I if I look at you, you talk about some a situation with, with, with Shanghai recently with the kind of COVID lockdown um, ca- causing you know real problems in supply chain globally um, that we've all se- have been affected by. But we've also had Russia Ukraine um, situation happen um, since we spoke last December. Oh. That's put a real spotlight, I think, for people on what global supply chain looks like. You, in a way that they hadn't really been able to visualize before. All of a sudden, the cost of energy has gone up. All of a sudden, yeah. um, you know, wheat and grains are, 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 you know, not being transported all over the world. And it's, it's affecting us day, day to day. Um, so I think people understand the concept of global supply chain more visually than they did before. But what about your potential customers? Does, does that change things for them or were they always sort of cognizant and aware that they needed to you know, up their game digitally? Um, does this accelerated anything for you? Because like, if I'm looking at your share price, not much of a reaction in the marketplace. So I've got to look to something positive, which is a reaction from your, cu- your potential customer base. So what's happening? Yeah, I, I think uh, what's been happening over the decades is that um, companies have optimized their supply chains for efficiency, lean, mean, just in time. Yeah, um, and a couple of shocks in the last two years have have shown that that breaks down very very quickly and leads to massive damage in businesses. So there was a, some research done at the end of last year. I think when we last spoke, we had a Economist article, uh, an interview. They highlight that single shocks in supply chains for companies on average uh, uh, cost them forty two percent of the EBITDA for that year. Uh, so it's huge. So if we see companies accelerating their investments in digitalization, particularly recently, particularly also because of the events in Shanghai, um, it's, it's stepping up. And um, the concept of supply chain resilience is what nobody was talking about a couple of years ago, is now leading. People understand that resilience is more important. And how do you build in resilience? It's visibility into supply chains. It's visibility, not, not just your tier one, but tier two. Uh, where's where's your supplier buying from? Is there is that country at risk? So having that visibility is important. Um, the other thing, if you uh, in, let's say in the context of this this war in Europe, we uh, ESG is often associated with uh, the E environmental, uh, reasonably often with social, but hardly ever the G. And the G is now becoming massive. If you think about uh, if sanctions need to be applied, that you've got particular shipments that need to be verified where they come from. 
etc. So you need to evaluate the G dimension in real time. So if you if you think you find another an alternative supplier, you need to very quickly be able to verify the compliance of the supplier and the product they sell you with the, with the, with the policies uh, and from the, the policies of your banks. Okay, so you, I, I, th- I, th- I think I understand the kind of the, the mechanism and why it's more efficient. But I, I, again, I can come back to the, the, the customer bit is they're upping their game and, you know, they could use a kind of conventional, you know, supplier purchase agreements and, and so forth. And that can be electronic, it can be digital, They're not necessarily all sitting on a off, offshore uh, Shanghai, right? So there's different ver- um, variations of solutions out there already. What gets them over the hump and say, look, this needs to be a joined up blockchain driven exercise because the benefit to you is what? What's the sales pitch to them and say, you need to do it because why? Depends on what side of the transaction you are. But in general, we see resilience as a big one. Suppliers want to get paid, particularly if that uh, relies on physical documents being delivered. Uh, so cash flow is a big one. For if you are a processor and your plant running relies on continuous supply of feedstock in the right quality, you want to make sure that you keep that coming, right? Otherwise, if you need to shut down your factory or your plant because of lack of feedstock, it's hugely expensive uh, also to restart again. To have that visibility where there's a disruption, being able to replace it quickly is important. Customer experience. Um, There's an interesting one. If you, and I use this example regularly, if you buy a pair of socks from AliExpress, uh, at the moment, $2. You can track that shipment from the moment it gets put on the courier and you get SMS messages, you know, the name of the, the guy that's going to deliver it to you the next day, etc. You can follow it. If you are um, buying a $30 million shipment of copper concentrate, you don't necessarily know where it is. You need to go and find that information. You need to track it. You don't necessarily know what's in it. You just know what you've bought. You you still need to verify that what you bought is actually correct and that it's compliant, et cetera. So uh, that, is the, uh, that is the game changer that we look for is, can we help companies, suppliers of these goods compete on a digital level, uh, operate like Amazon, for instance. Um, compliance, uh, you see what I mentioned. Um, companies need to alloc- account for their, particularly the scope three emissions, uh, which is, Essentially, the way they do it now, everybody has their own spreadsheet and they send each other spreadsheets and then they copy paste it into their spreadsheets. And before you know, you've got this, 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 this complete mess trying to calculate what you've done. Whereas it would be so simple if you just have a, uh, a shared spreadsheet at a value chain level where everybody just fills in their little cell and then everybody can calculate their scope three. Now, that doesn't exist. And that's what we're building as well. Okay. So, so you, you kind of... Amazon, but for, I mean, we're talking, because obviously I'm, I'm, the BHP announcement kind of skews my thinking towards natural resource, uh, natural resource more broadly, but it's, it's agriculture and any, any kind of movement of, of goods, right? That's, is that right? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's supply chains that we're focused we, we built one application that's quite specific to concentrates. It's our SA exchange, uh, hugely popular, um, in terms of it really solves problems in that particular mining and metal segment. But for the rest, it's we're solving supply chain problems. So whether you're shipping tra- trucks or spare parts or uh, concentrates or cathodes, a lot of the problems are similar. 
Okay, so, right, so I, want, I want to kind of get the heart of it because it's the, the benefits-led sales pitch is, is where you could win or, or lose, right? So the kind of ensure you get paid quicker, the kind of cash component, that's a very, very important for everyone, especially in markets like this, you know, to, you know that, that kind of movement of, of cash and um, the speed at which you're paid is, is important. The kind of feedstock component, I, I need to understand that. Are you saying that you you... The platform effectively becomes a market for because you want to ensure your feedstock is 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 coming through swiftly, so you don't have to like shut down your plant or whatever facilities you can't get the feedstock. But that's down to sourcing. So, is there a kind of internal market component to the product as well? No, not this stage. We're very post trade focused. We'll we'll work with marketplaces, but our our place is post trade because there's a there's a there's a common good for the industry where everybody's aligned in their interests. In the marketplace, you don't have that alignment, right? So we don't want to mess with the commercial aspects of, uh, of companies' decision-making. But if you are, let's say you're a big steel mill, you need to keep running. You maintain a critical, you maintain stockpiles and they have a critical level where you can, that you need to have for a certain, to be operating for a couple of weeks at minimum before you need to have that replaced. So if you if you don't know usually where what's coming your way and where it is you just know where you've ordered not where it is you need to and you have no real visibility on disruptions and the impact of what you just ordered you need to maintain very big levels of stockpile uh, just to absorb supply chain disruptions that's that consumes a lot of working capital so if you can if you can start optimizing that by having better grip on what's what's where that's that says a lot of right like that, that's that shift is shifting i think in current markets shifting away from the just-in-time policy to maybe giving yourself a little bit more buffer by being able to track okay un, un, understood and then the kind of, kind of compliance stuff because i know we talked last time about carbon footprint and measuring those sort of things is that really important at the moment we're seeing we're still seeing, seeing sec and various exchanges come down on some of these funds which have just kind of overstated their esg Profile. Do people really care about that, especially in the in the um, supply chain? More and more, uh, we see, um, and a lot of it is actually not that consumer driven. Um, it's driven by institutional investors, uh, financiers. Uh, it's directly related to cost of capital. Um, so if you if you cannot let's say at, at the moment the carbon price uh, is reasonably. Arbitrary. There's a market, but it's not a very effective uh, market yet. Um, I think if there was a, if it was the voluntary market became more mandatory, you would see probably the cost of carbon going up significantly uh, over time. Now, if you if you ship goods and your cost of shipping now suddenly needs to include the externalities like the carbon costs that you need to pay for that, you better want to make sure that you're not paying more than you want to. Um, so that's that's one thing. But if you, as a mining company, first you rely on capital, whether it's um, uh, let's say it's institutional capital, if you're a listed company, you if you want to keep access to that, you need to demonstrate an improvement in your performance and, you, and, and uh, uh, demonstrate that you're on your way to your non-zero commitments that you've just made a couple of weeks ago or a couple of years ago. And you need to be able to show that you demonstrate from a baseline that you are continuously improving, optimizing your portfolio. If you can't do that, then that capital suddenly becomes a lot more expensive or not available. 
Right, so uh, there's a there's a it's, it's usually valuable to to solve that problem. Okay, so I understand the kind of the moving parts and, and, and variables in terms of the, the the product line and, and the sales pitch. So let's let's take an example here. BHP announcement you, you you've made right. They had been testing with you last time we spoke um, back in December. Um, this is now a commercial agreement. Is is that is this just you know wrapped up in a pretty bow? Does it actually mean anything? What's a commercial agreement for BHP? I think the, um, I mean, I'm referring here to the press release, and I think it describes it quite nicely. We we have been publicly visible working with uh, BHP and some of their customers on trades. I'm talking about Wu, 2020, uh, Min Metals, 2021, Zijin earlier this year. So that was a lot of that was piloting, and we learned a lot, and we improved our operations, we improved the platform, make it more suitable towards its mission. But in, that relationship has matured to such an extent that we can now transition more to a commercial use of that platform in operations, right? And, um, and not, not just, I mean, it's not a BHP platform. Uh, it's very much an industry platform. We've worked with many companies to develop it and refine it and test it, et cetera. And, and we're very pleased to be, uh, have had the privilege to work with BHP as well and that they are, uh, as an industry leader, setting an example and moving uh, moving towards commercial agreement. Right. Okay. But I, again, with, with my kind of cold hard commercial hat on here, um, I need to know what that where that relationship goes to. You know, in terms of um, increasing reliance or um, a, a a kind of bigger statement of an, an intent or commitment from them, or how do you use their name to kind of get this? You know the next group of people through and say, look, it was good enough for them. It's got to be good enough for you. And how quickly those commercial arrangements come through. So, how, how, how are you coming at that whole? Look, you spend a lot of money. You spent like plus eight million bucks building this thing, right? Um, and since when we last spoke, say so I don't know if you, you know how much more you spent since then, but you've got to start doing a return on this investment, and you've got to start sharing the scalability of this product that you've got so what's happening yeah absolutely so i think this is a, this is a team sport and the uh, i don't think we're going to get the eight million back from one particular company in one year right so it's uh, it's really we're we're talking about industry transformation um where the price is massive it's it's absolutely big right so um and the um and there's no question around it everybody wants to move Everybody understands that digitalization is going to happen just because the price is so big. And we've seen the impact of not having it in the last couple of years. They don't want to have a repeat of that. So uh, it's going to happen. It's there's uh, platforms are the way to do it uh, because it's, it's such a, the way the, the problems that we need to solve can only be solved by platforms at an industry level. They need, they're not going to be thousands of platforms. There's going to be one or two because the, the value comes from network effects and critical mass. Not everybody can have critical mass and network effects, right? But there won't be, there's probably not going to be multiple because we still need optionality. I mean, if one route is closed, you still you need to have another route to, to go through. Now, uh, but it is in the post-trade space where we are, it has to be blockchain. Uh, there's no alternative. And um, what I hear back uh, from customers and partners that we work with is that we're by far the most advanced and mature and back platform, uh, back platform. So it's it's very likely, if not inevitable, that we're going to be one of those companies that drive industry transformation. Now, once you do that, 
and you got critical mass, that's where the real value uh, starts uh, coming. But we need to get there. And the only way to get there is through working with leading industry uh, industry players like like HP, but also other parties that we work with. Like we announced our partnership with Sumitomo Corporation uh, last year. It's some of the, um, uh, the companies in China that we work with are massive industry giants, right? So it's it's a it's a team game. No, I I no, I, I, I get it. Um, this this is the thing with trying to do like institutional or enterprise level software solutions, blockchain or not. That it's 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 quite a hard sell because there's a bunch of barriers to entry. There's existing systems with you know there's companies that have spent a lot of money on a system it may or may not work. It may or may not be as efficient as yours, but um, but people are kind of committed to it. And the thought of the th the thought of change is quite painful, right? So you know, so you have to be super super confident um, about your sales pitch in terms of the benefits of the company and put a dollar number on it. As in, you use our system, you could save X dollars. So that's that's an easy decision for an investment committee at, at an enterprise level. And you're talking about port authorities. You're talking about administrative departments within, you know, uh, transportation companies and its broadest contacts. You're talking about departments within, you know, natural resource companies uh, of all sorts of shapes and sizes. So the 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 sales process for you, the efficiencies come from how quickly can I get people over the line. And what's the kind of the, the, the cost in terms of time and money to get them using these things efficiently? Because I think last time we spoke, you weren't quite sure how you're going to charge. So I presumably you've got a better idea now. Um, so so all, of, all of those things, I, I think is the, that's the sharp end of the stick, as it were. So where, yeah, where have you got it's to? No, no, it's, it's fun. And we are, we are learning on that, on that side as well. We're getting some pretty interesting pricing feedback uh, as we, as we go through those, uh, through those discussions, but Taking one step back, so a couple of starting points. We're, we're not a we're not an enterprise sales force, right? We, we ha I haven't got an army of software sales guys that knock on every door and um, uh, try and sell software to a company because most companies that work they've already got great software. They've invested if not uh, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in that. So we're not going to replace it. That's not our role. We step in between companies. So the the friction in adopting us doesn't. Uh, it's not that big. We don't. They don't have to make an either-or decision. Are we going to have SAP or are we going to have Mindup? No, no, you have both. Of course. So there's no no competition there. Um, but what we are doing is new. Everybody gets it. Everybody understands. If you do something digital, it's going to be better, faster, and cheaper than paper. There's no. It's very hard to argue that that logic. And uh, digitization is a is a, a must-have solution for some of the problems that we see. But it's also, you need to, because it's an industry platform, you, there's a lot of fast followers. I think everybody, almost everybody is a fast follower. What's, what's that mean? What do you mean by that? A fast follower say, look, I understand where you're going. I understand this is going to be the solution. I understand that if you win, if you are becoming a successful platform, we'll definitely be there. But we want to make sure, before we commit to it, we want to make sure that you are going to be that party, right? That's, that we don't take a risk that if we go, suddenly the industry leaders go another way. So this group and many companies I've talked to are fast followers, and I fully understand it. Um, working with a, company, a couple of companies like we do that are industry leaders that are showing the way, I think will create that tipping point, right? That's, that's my thesis. We'll, 
we'll see how that plays out. I mean, the, in, in there, there are still a lot of, we still need to compete for um, uh, attention in roadmaps, et cetera. But the pandemic, uh, the wars have really elevated digitalization from something, yeah, 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 we'll, we'll do that at some point to must have. So we don't, we're not scared. We don't, our awareness of our name is, is growing quickly. Uh, we are working closely with our partners to roll out into uh, to engage business, their business network. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's happening. Okay, but talk to me about the money side of things because um, you got to have a better sense of, you said you'd had some useful feedback on, on charging, et cetera, because it's either, because you want as few barriers to entry as possible. So you don't necessarily want to put a, a big cost of this thing up front. You want people it on their desktops and able to use it as quickly as possible. So have you oh. thought about a, a per seat basis, a transaction basis? I mean, how do you make money? Yeah, there's a couple of uh, components to the pricing model. So we... We have a we have a, what we call setup fee, uh, just to spend some time getting it set up, etc. We have a basic subscription fee that gives access to the platform. That you don't get much for that, but you get access to it, and it it, it pays for the infrastructure and uh, some of the services that come with it. And then we have a series of applications that where we charge on a value basis or usage of value basis. So if you have our, what we call our trade management app. Um, Let's say we give 12 shipments for free and then we start charging on a per shipment basis, uh, a certain amount. Um, and then you can calculate the number of shipments, whether a container base is a lot more than, than bulk, but there's quite a few out there. Right? So we have, particularly if you work with large companies. Uh, on our trade finance side, we, we actually help the financier to reduce their risk, so we charge them. We charge a couple of basis points of the value of the assets that are being financed. Um, ESG... I still need to, this is the bit where we're doing quite a bit of discovery work at the moment, but I know that if you, um, if, the, if we can enable that automated scope three accounting pre-audited uh, and companies can use that to either maintain, if not reduce their cost of capital, I think the price is pretty big, right? So, so we'll, we'll figure out how we can charge more on a value basis there. Interesting, interesting. How do you, how do you, how does someone regulate, monitor, what's being filled in on the, the blockchain form or spreadsheet, you know, if someone goes scope three, yeah, tech, who, who says that tech is, is correct? Uh, because we don't just provide the data, we also provide the, the details of the person that sets the tick. And if the tick is a, a well-known auditor, uh, then that, that gives that seal of approval that everybody can verify, right? It's, a, it's, it's less actually about, the content of the data it's more about who says the data is correct so if you can only provide the data it's pretty pointless you need to provide the, the sign up as well okay okay interesting interesting time well it's interesting times i mean it's interesting times because the markets are doing their thing at the moment but um i, I you know saw the bhp uh press release i thought that was that was interesting and, and a slew of um other other kind of uh press releases around, you know, groups um, agreeing to the the need for digital, et cetera. But I, I'm, I'm just, what I want to see from you the next kind of few months is like how many of these fast followers come through, how many more of these, um, you know, conversations convert into deals and transactions and, and revenue um, following that as well. So what do you, yeah, what, what's, your, what's your take in the next six months, 12 months for your company? Yeah, I, th I think we keep going as we are. We, look, we, we just went from zero to one. Um, 
Meaning, so, wait, so, so clients, you're talking about from zero clients to one client. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah, okay. And it's Peter Thiel's uh, famous book, uh, and and it has and it is hard, right? It's but it's a it's a watershed moment uh, because you you become a different company from that point onwards. Um, but the I guess uh, I'd like to think that we're already working with two two through to ten as well. Um, and um, that's a matter of time. And I expect things to start accelerating beyond that. I'm a very optimistic person also in these, these markets. So, um, but I, I, I can see that, that movement's getting there. From a revenue perspective or the price, um, there's, there's another way of looking at it. So we have a, um, our core platform without all the, 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 the cool apps and stuff like that. It takes out enormous amount of friction from supply chains that is currently there because it's document-based and manual processing and reconciliation stuff like that. The UN has put a price tag on that friction, and it's about five to ten percent of the value of the goods that are being traded. Now, it doesn't apply in every case, but if you add a working capital cost and all those things and wastage, maybe that amount is correct. Now, if you look at the copper market, let's say it's a two hundred and fifty billion dollar industry, if not bigger. And we can take out a cost of $20 billion per annum out of the industry, uh, or digitalization does, and we can capture uh, 1% of that. We're still talking about $200 million to uh, uh, revenue per annum just out of copper. And this is a small market, right? We're looking at iron ore, which is much bigger. We're looking at um, uh, container-based shipments, which is huge markets. The supply chain market is twenty trillion dollars, right? That's the value of the uh, that's the value of the market. Um, so that's where that's where the price is going to come from. Interesting, interesting times. I say the size of the prize is 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 quite fascinating. Um, Arno, I'm like appreciate your time today. Thanks for coming back in and seeing us, letting, letting us know how you're getting on. Stay in touch. Yeah, will do. Thanks, Matt. Bye bye.